Hello, everyone, and welcome to the latest episode of Fish Bites, the Miami Herald's Miami Marlins podcast. I'm Jordan McPherson. He's Andre Fernandez. How you doing, Dre? Hanging in there, buddy. And you are uh, about to head out to uh, one of the cities I used to like covering because I seemed like I was always covering it for Clark Spencer back in the day, uh, St. Louis. So glad glad you're you're up there and, and um, you know, not just the arch and everything about the city, but it's always a cool ballpark, too, so. Yeah. I'm jealous, man. I got to get out on the road once in a while, you know? Yeah, I told you. They're open. Trips are open for the taking. Just let me know. Yeah, I'll let you know. Later in the season. Yeah. Yep, definitely. But, yeah, but St. Louis done that trip every year that the Marlins have played them. Obviously, not 2020 season because that season right. they only played the East. But went there in 19, went there last year. Finally got to go to the, go to the Arts last year. I enjoyed doing that. It just opened up a couple weeks earlier because there were still COVID restrictions going on when at the point of the season when I went there, but backdrop is one of the best in baseball. I mean, you have that, you have Pittsburgh, got a couple others, but those are the two that obviously popped in the head. And mm-hmm. Central, man, just something about the views they have there. Have those yeah. the Wrigley, everything. Yeah. You're right. You got the history of yeah. Wrigley. You got PNC is probably the most beautiful backdrop, you know, in all of baseball when you're, when you sit there at home plate and, and even walking around that stadium, you know, the legends, uh, the statues that they have out there, that sort of thing. Yeah. I mean, you know, even Cincinnati, like we didn't talk about the Reds, but they, they've they got obviously all their baseball history, too, at that yeah. ballpark right there by the water, too. I mean, yeah, you're right. It's a it's, it could be the most scenic division when you talk about stuff like that. Yeah. And we're going to get a good chunk of it over this next month. I mean, it's St. Louis this to start this week. Uh, and then right after the All-Star break, it's Pittsburgh and Cincinnati. And then Milwaukee's at the end of the year, Chicago, I believe, is something in August. So finally the first of the first of the five for this time around. And for the Marlins, it's coming at a pivotal time. I mean, they just yeah. went four and two on this last homestand. They swept the Colorado Rockies, went one and two against the Mets, and they're now two and five overall against the National League leader. And right now they're treading water, which there's only so much more time where you can be treading water before decisions need to be made. They're 33 and 38 on the season. And as of the time of this recording, Sunday night, they are uh, 12 and a half behind the Mets for first place in the East, which we already know at this point is already the dream that you probably need to stop thinking about. But they're yeah. six games out of the last wild card spot. They are, and St. Louis is in that last wild card spot right now. The only other two teams between St. Louis and the Marlins. In the standings for that third spot are San Francisco and Philadelphia. San Fran's a half game out of St. Louis. Philadelphia's a game and a half out of St. Louis. Marlins are obviously four and a half back of Philly, which would be the sec, which would be the third place team in the East. Uh, and again, you got three games now against St. Louis Monday through Wednesday. And then you've got four games against the Nationals on this road trip that takes you through the Fourth of July. Going to have to do. They're going to have to make a statement in St. Louis, and then they're going to have to do what they need to do against the Nationals, which they have done all all year at this point. Yeah, I mean, it's still a huge mountain to climb for them, to be honest. I mean, we keep talking about that, you know, the last couple of weeks. You know, the victory on Sunday was good. At least it's another keep-you-in-it win. But then again, compared to the series where a couple of games got away, again, another series where it's unfortunate because, you know, you have to start getting two out of three no matter who it is. But especially, like you said, I mean, you can't dismiss them completely yet because of the fact that so much of their schedule is still a lot of games in hand against the teams that they're they're trying to catch. But at the same time, you know, 
thank thanking the 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 switch of major league baseball expanding the playoffs a little bit right now for keeping them a little more in it than they would be if it was 10 teams you know that they'd be eight out right now instead of six because you know chasing atlanta but uh it's still a big mountain whether it's six games or, or not at this point in the season you're not completely out of it but again they're gonna have to really make some inroads and the it I'm going to say it the other way. I know we've been kind of like, I've, I've been especially going, trying to do a little more realistic, but if you're going to believe that they can still do this, I guess the one thing is they are getting healthier. They're about to get Brian Anderson back. They're in theory about to get Joey Wendell back any day now too. So once that happens and you get a few more pieces in place, maybe if some of the pitching can get shorn up a little bit, get a little healthier, that's also going to help too. Is that enough to kind of turn the corner a little bit and maybe start to make a tad bit of a push into this wild card picture? We'll see. It's going to be a very telling month of July, not just in the short term, but in the long term too, like as we've talked about, because it's going to dictate what kind of moves, if any, they do make before the deadline, you know, in terms of looking beyond this season and trying to continue this process that they hope at some point pays dividends. Yeah, and to add on to a little bit of what Andre said with the guys returning, Brian Anderson did three rehab assignment games in with AAA Jacksonville Thursday through Saturday, and he was in the clubhouse with the Marlins postgame Sunday on getaway day as they were getting ready to go to the airport. So it's a matter of when, not if, for him during the Cardinal series that he's going to get activated. Joey Wendell has, done, has played games Saturday and Sunday – Saturday, he played, I think it was either five or six innings at third base. Sunday, he was the designated hitter. And based off the stat line, he looked good. His swing's there. He's making the contact and the timing's good. It's just a matter of how how the hamstring's recovering. And with, with Wendell, especially because this is the third time with that hamstring that it's flared up and it's caused him to miss games. He went on the IL, IL twice, and he missed an entire series before those two IL stints. So the Marlins yeah. are understandably being cautious with him, but – to at least get Brian Anderson back, that helps you. And especially with the way John Birdie's playing now, it helps you deploy Birdie in other spots while also finding ways to keep his bat in the lineup and give other guys days off, give other guys rest that they haven't really been able to do. I mean, if you look at the infield in general, they've had to play in the month of June. John Birdie's played all but two games this month. Jazz Chisholm Jr. has played all but, I think, four games this month. Miguel Rojas has played all but three or so games. So to get Anderson back and eventually Wendell to go back to sort of what they had the start of the season, what they had in that April when they had when they went 12 and 8, where you're able to move guys around, you're able to have Joey Wendell spell Rojas and, and Chisholm in the middle infield, give them a right. day off their feet, give An- let Anderson play third or play in the corners, give Jorge Soler and Avisel Garcia, both of whom have been playing beat up as well, by the way. Uh Avisel yeah. Garcia missed the last two games with uh dealing with a hamstring injury. He and Soler both had had some stuff with their backs, which again, playing the everyday grind for those guys has been hitting them a little bit as they get into month three. So to be able to give, have that full bench again, and to be able to have the guys who have been playing every day coming off the bench on occasion, it Mm. sort of gets them back to that rhythm, that flow, that tactic that they were trying to do from the start, which was bring your lineups out to play matchups that they really couldn't do because they had to play with who they had. And, they didn't want to roll guys like Luke Williams or Eric Gonzalez or Williams Acedillo's everyday guys, which is understandable. But it also gets to the point where it wears out 
a lot of those guys who you're expecting the key contributions from every day. So it was yeah, that the part too. and it's got tough on them at this point. Yeah, it's the stamina part too for 162, especially with some of the veterans that you want to keep fresh and you want to be able to not burn them out so early in the season. I mean, it was their formula from the beginning. We said it. This was going to take that type of team, you know, the look of, again, to say their neighbors from the from a little north of Florida here. It was that sort of style like the Rays where it was moving parts and maximizing strengths of each guy's playing matchups, all that sort of thing. And then it was suddenly out the window when when your two of your main guys that you were counting on in Anderson and Wendell went down. Now you can now you can basically like run the car the way you want it to, the way you kind of envisioned it. You get back to a little more of the type of ball you want to be able to play. And you know, if the pitching can hold up in certain starts here and there, you know, aside from you know, we saw San- Sandy's been phenomenal, but he's human every once in a while. It's not going to be as stellar. And we saw that in his last go around. But some of the other pitchers, too. I mean, Daniel Castano deserves a mention tremendously. Not just this past start, but he's been solid in these spots that he's been able to kind of patch that rotation up a little bit. So if they can keep getting that until the arms get fully healthy, you're looking at you know a situation where that, that's where that's where it gives some hope for maybe a little bit of optimism, even though it's not looking very good right now in terms of the potential wild card picture. But maybe they could fight their way at least get back into the conversation a little bit, get a little closer where it doesn't look as daunting. And on the Castano front, I think you need to give yourself a little bit of a pat on the back there, Mister Fernandez, <laughs> about well, back in your days with Baseball America and rank, putting a Marlins prospect listing together. You had him in your top 30 at one point, did you not? Well, I did. I appreciate that because, yeah, even I I was a little bit, when he came up and struggled a bit, I was like, was that too much of a reach? But the the way it was always, like, from talking to people and even guys that I worked with at BA that get that gave me, you know, Kyle Glazer and others we talked to, you know, at length, like, you know, just get, kind of gauging on guys that have done it a lot longer than I have. And the thought process was, here's a guy – who you always look at the potential and the upside and the tools and all of that. But there's something to be said for a guy that can become a major leaguer and actually stick in the major leagues. And I don't know how long of a career Daniel Castano's really going to end up having, but he's done a lot more than a lot of prospects have. There's a lot of prospects that have burned out or not even gotten there. And he's not only in, he's starting. We saw it since the pandemic year. He's starting and he's contributing and he's pitching well. Those are all notches where it was we, – we, I, like I never put them super high on the list because you can't compare to some of the other talent they had in the system at the time. But uh, to me it was deserving of him at least being in that group of 30 to 40 guys because, I mean, look, he's there's something to be said when you can achieve that and you can sustain yourself as a major leaguer for a decent amount of time. And, I mean – this is a guy again going. I always said we we've always said it. I used to he used to be he was the afterthought of that trade. Yeah. He was the fourth guy in that trade. Nobody you said his name and you were like, "Who? That's the throw-in guy. Is he ever even going to make it?" And he's not only made it, but look what he's doing. So that that's that's really it. Yeah, not only was he the fourth guy from that Marcelo Zuna trade, which again that whole trade was Sandy Alcantara, Magnari Sierra, who held his own as that fourth outfielder guy that they needed when they had him on the roster. Zach Gallon, who was flipped for Jazz Chisholm Jr. We see right. how that has worked out. 
and yeah. Daniel Castano, which and Castano openly, I remember after one of his starts, I think it was last year, when he, he had a decent outing and was asked about getting to this point. And he was like, Yeah, I know that everyone looks at me as that throw in chip or whatever, but he felt the confidence that he could eventually get to where he was, get to being a big leaguer, even if he wasn't the ace of a staff, even if he was just the number five guy or a long reliever in the pen. He knew that he had something in him that could make him a contributing factor to a big league club. And the Marlins right. obviously saw by keeping him here, they had him on the opening day roster as their long reliever when they had when the rosters were at 28. When they got shrunk down to 26, he was one of the odd men out that got sent down to AAA. But when he had to come back up with the injuries that have happened to the rotation, he's had three starts so far since getting called up. Uh, the middle start against the Rockies was a rough one. He gave up four earned runs, didn't even make it. I don't think he made it through four innings there. But if you look at the other two, six yeah. and two-thirds scoreless innings against the Philadelphia Phillies. Two earned runs on five hits over seven innings against the New York Mets and retiring 14 of the final 15 that he faced, not giving up a hit after the third inning. To do For a guy like that, to do what he did against those two lineups, even if yeah. it is just a one-off, that is something that a lot of pitchers and a lot of high, uh, pitchers who are going to be a lot more highly talented than him yeah. don't accomplish. No, and that's what I mean. A lot of guys do. don't even make it. And, and to the major leagues, like just looking at it or even contribute, or maybe they come in, they have one moment and that's it, you know, things like that. I mean, granted, if you look at his career, he still hasn't pitched probably, if you look at his, his amount of innings, amount of, it's not even really like a full starter season. I mean, you're talking about today was what, his 13th major league start. But even uh, then, I mean, how many guys don't even get to double digit starts in the major leagues? And he already has 13. It's not a great amount, but I'm saying in the grand scheme of things, when you look at the enormous amount of guys that come through a farm system, how many can say that? And and, and it's 13 and counting the way he's pitching. He could stay for a, a while longer. So that's that's all it is. I mean, I never, we never made him out to be this big, huge superstar, but it was, but he deserved to be among one, the better guys in their system, even if it was like maybe like in that, like we were talking about, like in that top 20 to 30-ish range, because look, I mean, he's been able to find the role for himself and that credit to him. He's done a good job. You know, and it's also the latest example of what having good, even potentially under the radar starting pitching depth does for a team, especially when you yeah. look at the Marlins, when you looked at their they initial needed it right now. Yeah, yeah. And they, especially them needing it now, when you look at, when you looked at it, when Lazardo went down and then when yep. Poteet went down and then when Edward Cabrera went down and you started looking through and then Max Meyer was hurt. So you couldn't do the spur of the moment call up for the big prospect. And you Cody Poteet. Yeah. Right, and Cody Petit, yeah. another similar one. I, we didn't. I, that wasn't, you know, uh, yeah. similar to Castano in the sense of he was also kind of an unranked guy who little by little worked his way up, and now he's done a very similar thing to kind of carve a role out for himself. And now you look at how he's seen kind of differently. Yeah, exactly. And you go with those guys, and then you see Eliezer Hernandez struggle, and you're trying to figure out what arms are left. And obviously, Braxton Garrett they brought up first, and he's held his own. Hasn't been fantastic, but has started to look better, even though the results aren't there. And then you had Castano. And it was the matter of, A, first off, was he going to be built up enough was one of my first things because, again, he was being used as a reliever. So he was used as a reliever those first that first month and a half. So the fact he was able to get built up as quickly as he did while working in AAA was great. And then the results come as well. And now 
the Marlins are also starting to get a little healthier on the pitching side too. Uh, Edward Cabrera should be starting rehab assignment soon. He was supposed to start one Wednesday, but he ended up having a personal matter, ended up having basically was away from the team for a couple of days. He was throwing in Jupiter over the weekend. So it would be anticipated that at some point this week, he'll be up in AAA throwing again in a live setting. Uh, Marlins manager Don Mattingly said he anticipates Edward Cabrera will probably need two outings before getting activated again. So probably think either that last homestand before the all-star break or right after the all-star break, Cabrera should be back. Jesus mm-hmm. Lazardo has begun throwing his throwing program. Cody Poteet's throwing bullpen sessions. Uh, Max Myers back and throwing in AAA. We'll touch on him on in some more minor league guys in a little bit. But we'll see the pitching starting to come back. And with Sandy doing what he's doing, Pablo bounced back his last outing against the Rockies. Uh, to see that group, if that group can start to return to form while the bats start, while the position players start getting healthy, it's just a matter of, it's good to see. It, we it also circles back to, are they all getting healthy too far down the road from where they are? And that's going to be the most telling sign of what happens over this next month. It, if they're rounding in the form, is it, are they doing it at the right time or will the time have already passed them? And that, and if, if it's the latter, it's unfortunate with given the situation that they'll be, at full strength potentially when the decisions that need to be made are already being made. I mean, look, the, the bottom line is, is if you look at the standings right now, there's a gap, you know, there's a significant gap between, you know, people are going to say, Oh, four and a half, but four and a half is a decent, a decent gap right now between Philly and Miami. Can they narrow that realistically in the next few weeks before the deadline? Because if they do, now you look at it a little differently and you think, okay, we're in it. But if they kind of, you know, waffle a little and keep dropping or the gap grows, that's going to be the top. That's it. That, in a nutshell, that's the, the decision right there over the next three weeks. If in three weeks that four and a half has, has shrunk and they have an actual real chance or are they, is it worse or pretty much the same? And do you pretty much at that point, start looking ahead and kind of punt on the season. I mean, so basically what, you're sa- basically what you're saying is circle July 15th to 17th when they host the Phillies right before the all-star break. I mean, if it matters by then, because yeah. if they're seven back or, or eight back of the Phillies by then, I mean, you're counting on a sweep to even get back to where you were. I mean, but if they're closer, if you're hanging around and then you get to that series and you're only three, four back, then it's huge. Obviously. Yeah. So it yeah. could be. It could be definitely a pivotal series right there. But you're also still... on, on the flip side of what you're saying, if they were that far back and they get the sweep, they're in it. But it's also the matter of on the other side, if they get swept, then it's the you know they're definitely out. Of course. What I'm also saying is like if you're nine back and you sweep them, you get the six, it's like, eh, okay. But it's a different, much different if you're like where you are right now even if it is four and a half and all of a sudden you get that sweep and you're at one and a half and they are still that next, you know, the, the, and you're still not just one and a half of them, but maybe two back of the, of the third wild card. Now we're talking. Yeah. And when you look at the rest of their schedule through the all-star break, it's the three, you have three games against St. Louis. They have four games against the Mets from July 7th to July 10th. The rest of their schedule is four games against the nationals, two games at home against the Angels, which I know you're going to see, hopefully, yeah. potentially see Mr. Otani if he ends up pitching that first game. 
I think I think I may end up having to go to both games because from looking at it now, things have changed. Now it looks like he might pitch the Wednesday, the second game. So, but yeah, we'll see. Yeah. You'll find like okay, so four games against the Nationals, two games against at home against the Angels, four games yeah. at home against the Pirates, and three games at home against the Phillies. So that's and again, there's the saving races in terms of if they're able to handle the teams that they need to handle, i.e., right. the Nationals and the Pirates. If they can. If they can go hypothetically six and two in those games and find ways to do it, do things against the Angels split hypothetically, and then find something and then see what happens when they're potentially full strength for four games against the Mets. That's what again, it's a lot of hypotheticals, but yeah, they but have to do what like what they did against Houston to come up with two out of three, like that more often than not, that has to happen, and yeah. that's where you know, a team that's been this banged up has to be at full strength to make it work. And that's what we're talking about. It looks like they're getting there now, but are they going to stay there? Are guys going to stay durable enough to, and are they going to be sharp too? Because I mean, yes, we've seen it, how Brian Anderson will come off the IL and the first day he starts tearing it up like he never left. But some guys may not have that timing right when they come back too. So it's a lot of, a lot of variables, a lot of moving parts, but if it can all click, maybe, but again, it's a big if and a big, you know, a big gap to overcome right now. And we're talking about that gap in terms of Philly, but Philly's not the one holding the third wild card. Yeah. That's above them, so it's like even more games behind. So yeah, but just one last thing with Philly: when you talk about health, they're going to be without their top hitter, Bryce Harper. True. So yeah, puts a lot of pressure on the off-season free agent target that that was uh, coveted so much in these yeah. parts. And do I need to, as I mentioned with you when we were texting earlier, should I just rehash what he's doing so far? Because I'm sure the fans would probably like to hear what he's, what Mr. Castellanos is doing out there. He, yeah. I mean, you could, I mean, I'll play, I'll, I'll go on the, on the, on the part of one way or the other. Yeah. No, I was going to say. They would have gotten great bang for their buck one way or the other with the ones they did sign or the one they didn't sign. Yeah. So, again, I'll rehash again. It's the whole Nick Castellanos versus Jorge Soler off sale Garcia debate. Right. Nick Castellanos this year, through his games played today, even after getting four hits today, granted all singles, he is hitting 252 with a 387 slugging mark and a 693 OPS, along with when he plays in the field, negative 12 defensive runs saved. Negative That's, 12. Yeah. That's the part that really, when you sent me, when I, when we saw that, when you sent it to me, I was like, yikes. Yeah. Because and also another Cassiano set, he has seven home runs this year. One more than Miguel Rojas this year. Miguel right. Rojas is six today or on no, Sunday. Right. And, no, I mean, yeah. Yeah, and for the other guys, Jorge Soler, 736 OPS, 429 slugging, 13 home runs. And he was, I believe, a negative one defensive run saved. Avisel Garcia. Yes, the numbers are not great on him. He's the 590 OPS, only five home runs, 24 RBI. That also, and again, this is where I'm going to start with the skewing the numbers here. He was just at the Mendoza line for the first two months of the season. If you look at just June alone, he's has the 746 OPS with six of his 10 extra base hits. So it's starting yeah. to turn the corner in month three. But again, those first two months really did set him back and it set the Marlins back with both him and Soler not fully producing the way the Marlins were anticipating. At the end of the day, all three have been underproducing from anybody's standards. Yeah. But 
it's also the matter of two guys both playing and both of them playing defensively well while the offense is coming in spurts versus Castellanos for the price of one guy with the defensive liability on top of the underproducing on offense. So there it's, are the, the two ar- the arguments there. It's just always a big gamble when you when you take a chance on guys that have had when you gamble on the guys that have had like one, maybe like the one or two big years and you're hoping for that. And then you get, but maybe the whole track record, when you look at it, whether it's six, seven years, that's like the isolated one or two great ones. And then you're getting more of like the track record of who, who they are. And it seems like, it seems like even in the Phillies case, they're getting Castellanos before he kind of went on this surge in, in recent years. You know what I mean? So it's like, it's kind of like now he's, crashing back to earth kind of thing and so in, in any case it just seems like unfortunately you know you can't say that you can't say the bad word but they're they're screwed kind of in one way or the other would have been you know and they're, they're going to get what they're going to get they're not going to get that game changer amazing production at least not yet i mean there's a whole second half to be played but so far it hasn't been the case when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yep, definitely. And on that note, let's switch to some minor league talk, where at the very <laughs> least, since we've been talking about the playoff line and all of that, at least one Marlins minor league is going to the postseason. Playoffs. Yep. The double-A Pensacola Blue Owls, which, again, before I mention it, just to backtrack with how the playoff format works in the minor leagues, because it can get kind of confused for everyone who focuses just on the big leagues. In double-A, high-A, and single-A, so all of the affiliates except for the top level, they look at they look at the season as two halves. So the top team in each division in each half gets a playoff berth. So right. They already clinched. Yeah. Yeah. So the first half of the season for double a high A and single a was Sunday. That was the cutoff for the first half of the season. The Pensacola blue Wahoos won their division in the first half in the Southern, in the Southern first half champs. So they're the first half champs, which means they're automatically in the playoffs. If they ended up winning the Southern division again, Whoever finishes second in the second half will get the the second spot. So the that second half is a little more for bragging rights than anything exactly. else because they're already in. Exactly. So the way it works in the playoffs is the four teams, two teams from each division, they'll do a best of three series, top team against or first half champion versus second half champion in each right. division, and then the winners of the faces each other in a best of three for the championship. So the Pensacola Blue Wahoos are automatically in. So. And with that group, that's where a lot of the Marlins' big guys are outside. A lot of their guys who are a tier away from making their big league debuts, I should say. We got Yuri Perez and Zach McCambley as their main two pitchers. Troy Johnson, who's been on a tear for the last month and a half. Uh, Griffin Conine. uh, And newly named to the top 30, one of their better reliever prospects, Josh Simpson, who was one from their draft a couple drafts ago. And then... uh, and then Herrera and Carnacion was part of that group for the first month and a half so before going to AAA and then before, right. a coffee in the big leagues. But <laughs> his contributions 
from that first month or so. Man needs a second they, cup of coffee after what he did. I'm sorry. That, that was I, I was annoyed to see that. But well, I will say yeah. he is on the taxi squad again with them for St. Louis. He was with the Marlins on Sunday. He arrived there Sunday with Eric Gonzalez. So he will be on the taxi squad, which means if something happens with Opsale's hamstring or with something happens with Jorge Soler, he's mm-hmm. he's right there. He's right there. Yep. And again, it also comes yep. with the balance of with where the Marlins are again with those big money guys with Corey Soler and Abdel Garcia. If you're playing them as often as you are, and Harar is Gerard is a corner outfielder, you can't play him in center, so right. you, you don't have that option with him. Well, and again, this is where the this is where the next twenty twenty one days yes will 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 make a decision on 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 some on someone like him exactly. But and but the good thing for him again, he's on the forty man roster, so it's not like they have to jump through hoops to transactions right. wise to get him up there. It's just a matter no, of it's a simple, right. opens, he comes up. Right. So yeah, so double A, whoever's there with them with the double A blue Pensacola Blue Wahoos at the end of the season is gonna be playing in the post playing postseason baseball. Mm-hmm. And from there, just some quick roundup of just the month of June. I know the month goes for a few more days, but we don't podcast again until July. So might as well hit with what we have right now. Uh, Max Meyer finally made his return to Jacksonville after that month of rehab with the right ulnar nerve irritation. Threw four innings, struck out five. We only gave up one hit, granted a solo home run, no walks. So good first step. Now the, it's just a matter of him continuing to build up and get back to where he was innings wise. He was able, he was going six, and I think he got into the seventh once early in the season before the injury happened, but. Really good first start for him. First, really good first step back for him, especially if there's yeah. a chance to potentially see him by season's end. Well, selfishly, I may get to see him because um, I, while Jordan is up in uh, St. Louis and then Washington for the fourth, I am actually going to be in Jacksonville. So I'm going to definitely check out not just Scampy, but uh, but the actual Jumbo Shrimp players themselves. So if Max Meyer's there, looking forward to that to seeing him pitch. But for him, yeah, like you said, it's it's about the bounce back. It's about getting back that, you know, the way he was before. And you don't want to, you never want to see an injury, but now that it's happened, it's part of the whole process with him, how he get, how he recovers, how he can keep going forward. Cause they are going to happen obviously. So now you see that part of the development with him. And I'm curious to see how he continues to, to work for the next month or so. Yep. And then staying in AAA, another guy who you will see regardless of if Max Meyer starts or not, uh, JJ Bleday, seven home runs this month. He's up to 15 home runs on the season. The month of June through 22 games, he's leading the Jumbo Shrimp with a 557 slugging mark and 932 OPS. Though he has the power, he's still drawing the walks. And it's, to me, probably one of the better months outside of that last month of the season last year when he turned everything on right before going to the fall league. This yeah. is probably his best month that he's put together since getting drafted by the Marlins. And that's yeah. definitely needed. And I always like, I know you say it's my thing, but it's true. I, 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 I see that a lot on the on-base part, especially a guy like him where he has struggled at the plate, you know, sometimes with just the consistency of getting on base and seeing the ball well, all of that. So this is a good step. The power is never going to be to me, like something where like he's hitting 15 home runs. That's JJ. Good. But it's more, Getting on, I'm looking at that OPS and looking at that. That those are good signs. Those are good signs that he's seeing better and the swing is there. 
you know, just building off of that. So it's good. It's good. And, and you're right. I, I, I can't remember another month other than the one you mentioned where he's been this productive. So again, another positive trend for him. Yep. And now to go down to high a Beloit, the sky carp again, just, I think I say it every time, love the name, the love the name carp. change, love the name change. Yep. Uh, yep. Shortstop Nassim Nunez, again, the guy who everyone knows for his ability to play gold glove caliber defense and to steal bases when he gets on, well, he's getting on base now. Uh, yeah. This month, two, hitting 290, 20 for 69, 872 OPS, and his last three games this week, he has five extra base hits. He has, he had a, on Friday, he has first career four hit game, which include a double, a triple, three RBI, and two stolen bases. He had another triple Saturday, and then Sunday, he went three for five, and he hit a home run. First yeah. home run since getting drafted by the Marlins back in what years? That was the 2019 draft. Yeah. Yep. So first career home run. And and again, everything else with his game has been as advertised. His defense is great. Right. He's stolen. He's only stolen 30 bases so far this year. Only 30. Yeah, only. Weak. That's good. No, I mean, and, and a lot of, and I think probably some of these extra base hits, I haven't actually physically seen all of them, but I'm, a, I'm thinking some of them with his speed. Uh, has helped and him extending, you know, getting an extra base here, an extra base there, that sort of thing too. I mean, he's not a, we know he's not a power hitter, but even guys that aren't power hitters can occasionally have these little power spurts. We, we've seen that with other guys, you know, in major leagues in the past, you know, and, but it's good. The, the again, sort of just like Blade, the fact that getting on base more often, he's hitting the ball, making solid contact more often, that sort of thing. That's the good sign. That's the positive trend there that you want to see from a guy like that because you know, like we said a bunch of times, he's got the speed tool, he's got the defense tool, but the bat, if that if if that that's something to build on, if he can continue to do, he can become that much more of a productive player. And then two more guys to mention. Uh first, another guy in high A Beloit, uh Cody Morissette, their second round pick from last year, who's not really one of the marquee names, but He's hit six home runs so far this month after having just seven home runs in his first 75 games overall, including uh, 30-some games last year and the first 40-some games this year. Uh, he's leading Beloit with 43 RBI and 41 runs score on the season. And then in single-A Jupiter, another one of both Andre and my favorite, Jose Salas. He's yes. In the, the month of June, he's leading the Jupiter Hammerheads in – Basically, every offensive statistic you could ask for, 338 batting average, 435 on base percentage, 535 slugging, 970 OPS, 13 RBI, six doubles, two home runs, 16 runs scored, and six stolen bases. Literally putting it all together in his best month in a full with a full season affiliate. I still firmly believe that kid will be in that middle in, in that starting middle infield. At some point, I don't know for how long, but I think he is going to get his chance because from the beginning, I've liked just the whole makeup, the, the, everything about him. And, you know, again, still in Jupiter, but building his way up little by little. I think in, in time, he will be a part of that Marlins middle infield. That if he can get there while Jazz is there, that's going to be fun to watch. But I'm also going to bring up, uh, I got to see, I went up to Jupiter for a couple games. <laughs> I think it was either earlier this month or the beginning or the end of the last month. He was playing third base also. 
So he's expanding his repertory. So he has that option. Well, as he well. has that option, right. And exactly. Especially with where the Marlins are right now with third base. Again, you have Brian Anderson and Joey Wendell for the time being. But yeah. when you look at how far down the line Jose Salas is at this point. Yeah. That's also another option for them, especially since when you look at their third base depth, depth in the minors, yeah. there really isn't too much in terms of tried and true third baseman. So that could be, I mean, yeah, it could be the way window form at the very least. Yeah. I kind of just don't want to give up on his like more natural position form yet. That's when he's this, but you're right. I mean, they could, if you also have, you know, Watson and other guys in the system that fit that mold too. So it's just going to depend in a year or two where, where they're kind of at depth wise, if there's a log jam in the middle and he could just slide right into a position of need, like at third by then, if that's the case, Right, that could be the ticket for him there. But I I'd be shocked if he doesn't get make it to the show as people think he would. Just that he's showing all the signs little by little. There's still a little bit of a ways to go for him right now, but I think he's definitely got what it takes to get them. Yeah, and the third base side of it, it I should mention in Jupiter, they have Khalil Watson, Jose Salas, Ian Lewis, and Christian Rodriguez. You have four guys for se- yeah. who are basically rotating second base, shortstop, third base, and DH to make sure all four of them are in the lineup and all of them getting yeah. their consistent bats. And that's where Sal is being able to slide over the third because Christian, it's him and Christian Rodriguez who are getting the bulk of the reps there. Ian Lewis and Khalil Watson, primarily second base and shortstop, and then Sal is getting to roam around into the middle infield when Khalil either isn't Khalil or Ian or DHing or has a day off. And it's just seeing them how much they're utilizing and rotating those four guys. Yeah. Especially this early on had basically being able to give them that versatility this early in their careers, this early at the lower levels of the minors, it's only going to help them as they get, as they continue to move up the chain. And like, sometimes when people get fixated on the positions you're playing in the minors, you shouldn't because in the minors, that's what it's for. That's what you want. You, you, you play all, you play different spots. There's so much like development and experimentation going on in that sense to see who can play this, who's learning that spot, et cetera. Encarnacion, like, just to throw one example out there, look how he's, they started playing him at first. Troy Johnson, oh, being... Johnson was an outfielder before they get started in the first base last. Yeah, you can think of a ton of examples. I mean, that's what it's for. So, again, th- that's a good log jam to have at that level right now where all those guys are getting to play in the middle and the left side of the infield. That's only going to help all of them down the road. No doubt about it. And that's going to wrap us up for this week's episode of Fish Bites. Thanks so much for tuning in. I'm Jordan. He's Andre. We'll be back again next week, everyone.